Hello, and welcome to Anime Audio Commentary. Today I'll be commenting on episode 33 of Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. If you'd like to watch along, then start watching now. Alright. Last we left off, everybody seems to be just sort of heading north, you know. Scar and May and uh, that cohort have sort of jumped a train and are heading north. Meanwhile, the Elric brothers are heading north to meet with uh, Major Armstrong's elder sister, who, as it happens, is a major general, you know. So it seems like they might have some friends in high places, although I've sort of alluded to it before. The Major General Armstrong is a absolutely tough woman. Like, I suppose she's an ally in the sense that she would in all likelihood oppose the evil, but I don't know, man. Like, with friends like her, do you really need enemies considering how unwilling to compromise she is on anything. So what's interesting here is that Kimberly is sort of been tasked with tracking down Scar and company. And he seems to be doing more than his due diligence to sort of track down everyone. You know, he's noticing discrepancies between the landscape and the map. And he's like, all right, what's going on here? Could they be taking a bit of a secret path here? And, you know, he's really the only one who sort of noticed this. So coincidentally, there happened to have been a bunch of rock slides. You know, surely that couldn't have been the work of an alchemist, could it?
So it's interesting that Kimberly, you know, despite what we know of him being a psychopath and a killer, you know, he seems to be reasonably proficient in sort of puzzling things out and figuring that, you know, if the flow of the river has been disturbed in this manner, in all likelihood, the mountain has been made to uh, produce a rock slide artificially. So now with the Elric brothers, for them, this is almost like a bit of a vacation. You know, they get to see all the snowy weather and think to themselves, boy, this is new and novel. We're from down south, so we're used to a more temperate climate. You know, I have to say, that occurrence of, like, slipping and falling and landing on your tailbone like that, that is not an infrequent occurrence, and boy, does it hurt when it does happen. Man, so I guess the Elric brothers are accustomed to snow to some degree, but not quite to the degree of the north. You know, I'd imagine the north probably has snow on a much more permanent basis, and indeed it's probably much more inhospitable too in terms of temperature. Especially if they're heading to the northernmost segment, where they'll find Fort Briggs. I guess fortunately for them, they're taking a train right to Briggs. I'd imagine if they had to make the trek on foot, it would be far more uncomfortable for all involved. Especially since it doesn't really look like they're dressed for the cold weather. I mean, with Alphonse, it's a moot point, but, you know, Edward's just sort of like wearing a liner with his standard coat. And, I mean, we can't judge what material it's based off of, but it doesn't seem like a particularly warm coat. So the plot's thickening. Scar and Marco are heading to Briggs as well, via a train. So one has to wonder what business Scar has in Briggs. I mean, obviously, it's kind of uh, nice and convenient that everybody seems to be converging at that location. But... I don't believe we were really given a good reason for why he might be heading up to the north, other than... It might be inhospitable enough to keep other people off their tail. You know, I have to say, I'm a little surprised with how, I don't know, I guess amiable Scar is being considering all that Marco has done. I mean, he's already sort of made it clear that the reason why he's keeping him around is so he can, you know, tell him the full history of everything. Oh dear. So... 
It seems like Kimberly has finally uh, caught up. They're playing a silly game here of getting trains running in parallel tracks to match their speeds. You know, that's interesting from like a physics perspective. I would think he would have wanted to keep the train running parallel if only to have reinforcements, but uh, Kimberly seems confident enough. Especially given he has a Philosopher's Stone to sort of uh, ward off anyone who might try and ambush him. Whoops, looks like uh, Yoki played Kimberly for a fool. I mean, it probably wasn't deliberate on his part. Scar probably uh, twisted his arm into playing as bait. I mean, I guess that's the one good thing about having Yoki around. He's sort of uh, expendable on all accounts. But, more importantly, this is really what we've been waiting for here, you know? Kimberly is responsible for a lot of really bad stuff, and Scar's got some real personal reasons for wanting to, uh... give him the business. It is notable that he's already lost his composure. I mean, it's understandable, but I feel like it doesn't bode well if he's... not going to keep a level head about this. Now, I feel like in terms of raw alchemy, Kimberly and Scar are an interesting matchup because they're both sort of very good at destroying things. Kimberly by means of explosions, Scar by means of, well, I guess, disassembling things. So I think Scar is, uh, falling for the bait. You know, Kimberly definitely knows what he's doing by trying to taunt him. And, you know, I think Scar would do well to sort of, like, consider that maybe this guy's smarter than he would initially appear. Whoops. Man, that was a uh, rather good aim on Scar's part, being able to hurl a pipe like that and impale him. I mean, I'd imagine that's a pretty grievous wound. Like, geez, to just sort of uh, get impaled like that and be thrown back just from the force of the throw alone. I mean, Kimberly said it himself, you know, he's kind of rusty, having just gotten out of prison. So he's probably making the right decision to break things off. I mean, I guess... What's good for him is that this wound isn't immediately fatal. You know, if you have somebody who knows what they're doing, he can be saved. And, you know, perhaps with the Philosopher's Stone, he could even do it himself. Who knows? 
I like how the train engineers are sort of uh, entirely clueless as to what's going on, even though there's been several explosions. You know, even... Even as they look back, you know, they're like, Oh, we lost a car. Whoops. Alright, so this is not good for uh, Kimberly. The engineers have decided to stop the train and go back and pick up the car they lost. No, well, you know, maybe this has sort of worked out after all. These guys are attending to Kimberly. Man, he really is a lunatic. He's just sort of content to white-knuckle it and get north as fast as possible. And, you know, I'd imagine sitting out in the cold isn't helping this condition of his either. Man, what a lunatic. I mean, I guess he's looking on the bright side, you know, I'm risking my life. This is kind of fun. So, you know... Man, don't know if I can agree with him on that matter. So this is interesting, you know, Dr. Marco was never with Scar to begin with. And Scar really did a number on his face, but... Like, he's not totally unrecognizable, I guess. I do find it interesting that Marco, who's presumably like a pretty old man, he's just sort of taking the trek north on foot. You know, that's no mean feat. I guess things are made somewhat better by the fact that he's accompanied by Mei Chang, who's a reasonable combatant and fairly skilled in medicine, so I guess he wouldn't have too much to worry about, but... Even so, walking north on foot, like, that's a pretty long distance if there are normally trains that make that route. So, unfortunately, Winry is becoming aware of just how much the plot's thickening. You know, the Elric brothers are heading north, and they haven't told her this, so naturally she's going to become concerned, whether it's founded or not. I feel like she's going to make the mistake of poking her nose into something now. You know, perhaps, uh... Asking Hawkeye what's going on, and uh, that will naturally draw in the attention of unsavory characters. Now, I don't like how that guy said, like, oh, you don't have automail, you should be fine. As if to imply that automail could cause issues in the north. 
No, considering that Ed does have Automail and he didn't speak up and ask why Automail might be a problem, uh, it seems like not only is it going to be a problem, but it's going to be pretty bad, and uh, you should feel foolish for not asking. So, you know, already they're in like a whiteout blizzard. That's not good if you're somebody who needs to stay warm to live like Edward. Like, Alphonse could eventually make his way through all this, but Edward is considerably more fragile to things like the elements. Oh dear. So it seems like uh, Edward's not the only one with automail here. And this guy's automail is uh, a hell of a lot more impressive. You know, it's got like a claw, it's got serrated teeth. I'd imagine that would uh, chew through flesh and bone pretty darn readily. So I feel like this guy is jumping to conclusions a little bit. You know, he might be right to be paranoid considering they're on the border of Drachma, which is an enemy state, but he's immediately accusing them both of being Drachma spies. I feel like this could be resolved by Edward just sort of, uh, flashing his state alchemist pocket watch, but he's a little bit slow on the draw here. You know, this Briggs soldier is just sort of, uh, swinging him around and... Presumably preparing to crunch his arm. Man, yeah, it has like... It has serrated teeth, the old stuff in place. It's got like a chainsaw blade. This is not good for Edward. And for reasons that are unclear... You know, it seems like the automail... The Briggs soldier wields is not, uh, not susceptible to alchemy for some reason. You know, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, at least right now. So unfortunately for the Elric brothers, uh, the Briggs soldiers in winter camouflage seem to have gotten the drop on them. Granted, it's no mean feat when you're in a white-out blizzard like they were. Well, it looks like uh, no amount of saying like, hey, we're not spies is going to get them out of this now if they're being held at gunpoint. Oh boy, it begins. The Major General herself, and she appears to be in a rather foul mood. Man, you know... I, I can kind of uh, relate to how the Elric brothers feel. 
You know, when I watched this for the first time and I heard Major Armstrong and Elder Sister, I too pictured something entirely different from, uh, all from the truth. You know, the Major General is stern and absolutely diligent in her duties. You know, even knowing, or rather even being told that the Elric brothers are state alchemists and adjacent, you know, they're not even going to, like, humor the Elric brothers. They're going to search him. And even... Oh, jeez. Even a letter from her brother, you know, she just tears up. You know, I don't care what he says. Man, how can one woman be so unfathomably resolved and self-assured? It beggars belief, you know. Like, she's not even willing to take the word of her brother to assume that these guys are alright, you know. She's going to judge them for herself. I mean, she is, she is assuming he is the full metal alchemist, but, you know, that doesn't mean she's going to have a high opinion of him. You know, I think that really sums up the dynamic here. You know, she is the apex predator and everyone else might as well be like little rabbits in comparison. I feel like she's almost more dangerous than uh, everyone else. So back with the others, you know, they seem to have found a nifty little, uh, hidey hole. And it happens to be home to, uh, all sorts of, uh, alchemical research as conducted by Scar's brother. Seems like this might be a handy little, uh, ace to have up their sleeves for the coming conflict.
Alright, well that's it for this episode. If you've enjoyed it, then by all means, tune in for the next one. See you, Space Cowboy.